We drove to Texas a few weeks ago. It was an unplanned trip. Frankly, it was a trip we'd hoped we wouldn't have to make, and I'll come back and tell you more about that in a few minutes. But we have pretty much every Chick-fil-A between here and the Lone Star State pegged on a map. We know exactly where they are. They break up our trip each time we make that trip to see family in Texas. But with COVID-19, you know, it seemed like Chick-fil-A play places were kind of off the table. So we drove through Chick-fil-A and we stopped at this little park and we sat under a tree and had this lovely picnic, a tree just like this one outside. It was beautiful. We thought we should do this all the time. Why do we stop inside? We should get outside every time we drive to Texas and just enjoy a picnic like this. Well, the next day we were covered in chigger bites. Covered. When I say covered, I mean our whole bodies looked like my face during puberty, red and bumpy. Okay, it was awful. And so th that started the beginning of two things. The first was endless itching. I mean, constantly. The boys could not stop itching themselves. And mom and dad, we were itching too. So endless itching, but also endless questions. Why did God make chiggers? What is a chigger? Son, frankly, those are mysteries we may never understand. <laughs> I had to tell my boys. Listen, I don't know why God made chiggers, but I'll tell you, the Gentry family hates them. You know, we have a real on-again, off-again relationship with mystery as, as people. You know, there's, in some senses, a lot of ways in which we enjoy mystery. I mean, my boys love Sherlock Holmes. I can remember as a kid, the first books that I ever read, the first novels I read were the Goosebumps books. Do you remember the Goosebumps books? These stories of these ghosts and monsters mysteriously haunting these towns. Those were the first books. I ever read the, the favorite show, Lindsay and I's favorite show, maybe the favorite show we have ever watched is Lost. And frankly, after watching it, we're still a bit lost. Okay, we still don't fully understand what that show is about. It's a mystery to us. Even old shows like Andy Griffith, Lindsay's dad watches Andy Griffith every day. And when the boys go to visit him, they watch Andy Griffith. And nearly every episode of Andy Griffith has a dimension of mystery that's built into it. You know, it's always resolved by the end of the episode, but the mystery kind of drives the plot along. As, as people, we are infatuated with mystery until we're not, right? When someone else is at the center of mystery, it's fun to observe it, to follow along. It's interesting. But when I am at the center of a mystery, it can be excruciating or painful or itchy. I don't know why God made chiggers. We laugh at that. Well, you do. The Gentry family is still not laughing about the chiggers. But mysteries are laughable from a distance. But again, when I'm at the center of a mystery, it can be much more difficult to endure. I mean, I think about the stock market. How many of you, the first thing you do in the morning is roll over and check the stock market? What do you do several times a day? What do you do the last thing you do before you go to bed? Well, for many, it's checking the mysterious forces of the stock market. Because the thing is, when I am invested in a mystery, when it's got part of me wrapped up in it, whatever that mystery is, well, that mystery can be torturous. And so many of you have experienced that as the market goes up and down, the torture of forces you can't fully predict or fully control. And so with that, I think we're ready to enter Daniel chapter 2. So if you're just joining us this week, we're in our second week in a series on the book of Daniel. And we're looking at Daniel because I think most 
of the Old Testament points to what God is going to do eventually in and through Jesus Christ. But maybe no other Old Testament book makes the point quite as clearly as the book of Daniel. Jesus saw himself in the book of Daniel. And Jesus also speaks to the way that Daniel informed his life and ministry. We'll look at that in the coming weeks. But today we see something not only about Jesus, but about God, God the revealer of mysteries. And Daniel chapter two starts with a mystery. We have King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king who has the Israelites under his control and exile. And at this moment in Daniel 2, he is haunted by a dream. It's a mystery, and it's a mystery that he can't understand, but that he is pretty sure he's at the center of. He's pretty sure everything he's built, everything he's manufactured, his whole empire, he's pretty sure he is at the center of this mystery, and it's driving him crazy. Let's pick up in verse 1. In the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's rule, he had many dreams, and the dreams made him anxious, but he kept sleeping. And the king summoned the dream interpreters, enchanters, diviners, and Chaldeans to explain his dream to him. They came and stood before the king, and then the king said to him, I had a dream, and I'm anxious to know its meaning. Now, what happens next is a real window into what happens when mystery collides with power, okay? Because what Nebuchadnezzar does when he's confronted with this mystery is call together all the wise people in his kingdom to come to him and tell him what his dream is about. But the trick is, he thinks if I tell him my dream, they're just going to guess what it's about. And I won't know if they know what they're talking about or not. So the only way for Nebuchadnezzar to really test if they know the right interpretation is if they can tell him what he dreamed without him telling them the dream himself. And he figures if they can get that right, then they're probably right about the interpretation of this mystery. Well, problem is they can't. Let's read on. Verse five, and the king answered the Chaldeans, my decision is final. If you can't tell me the dream and its meaning, you will be torn limb from limb. Your houses will be turned into trash dumps. But if you do explain the dream and its meaning, well, you'll receive generous gifts and glorious honor from me. So explain to me my dream as well as its meaning. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king, no one on earth can do what the king is asking. No king or ruler, no matter how great, has ever asked such a thing of any dream interpreter, enchanter, or Chaldean. And when the king, what the king is asking is impossible. Pay attention here. No one could declare the dream to the king but the gods who don't live among mere humans. And at this, the king exploded in a furious rage and ordered that all Babylonian sages be wiped out. So the command went out and the sages were to be killed. And Daniel and his friends too were hunted down and they were to be killed as well. Now, I know we entered this story with this you know, kind of humorous anecdote from my life about chiggers. Again, humorous to you, not humorous to me. But suddenly, when you're reading Daniel 2, nobody is laughing. You know, in 12 verses, this has escalated from Nebuchadnezzar having a dream he can't figure out to Nebuchadnezzar ready to kill a bunch of people, ready in some ways to commit what we might call genocide or at least mass murder. 
I've got a great friend here at Highland named John Maharo. Many of you know John. He escaped the Rwandan genocide of the 1990s, made his way ultimately to Memphis. He's such a faithful member of this church and disciple of Jesus. And he has shared his story at Highland many times. And I think most of us, when we think about mass murder, the kind that takes place in war or genocide, we lament that, but we think about it as like one of the grisly strategies of war. It's one of the things we lament about war and its existence in the world. We think, well, this is a strategy to accomplish some greater end that some evil empire is implementing here. But what Daniel Chereau and Clark McCauley say in their book about political mass killings is they say nothing stimulates the genocidal impulse as quickly as fear. The point they make is that it's typically not strategy. It's not thought out. It's a response of being afraid. And Nebuchadnezzar is afraid right now. You know, he has all the power in the ancient world. He rules over one of the most dominant empires this world has ever seen. And he's afraid because of a dream, a little dream, which is to say he's a somebody. He's not a nobody. He's a somebody, but he is not God. Listen, I know this book was written a couple thousand years ago, but it feels really timely to me as I'm reading through Daniel 2. So, so here's two big reminders for God's people living in 2020 that come from this passage. Now talk about a tough year, 2020. You know, this year has not gone how anybody predicted. We've had pandemics, protests, recession, more pandemic, and at the end of the year, we get to have an election, right? Oh, joy for that. But this ancient book is reminding us of two really important truths for God's people to consider in 2020. And the first is this, that despite all of our advancements since the days of Nebuchadnezzar, we are all still afraid of what we cannot control, what we cannot predict, what we can't influence, what we would call the mysteries of life. And that's true of us, whether we are a nobody or a somebody, including the somebody's in power. People in power are not immune from human fear over the mysteries of their lives. Okay, that's point one. And it leads secondly to point two. In scripture, we see this point made again and again, like in Philippians when Paul says this, Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, the second point is this. There's nothing wrong with being involved in the political process that we're going to see unfold at the end of this year, the fall of this year. In fact, maybe you should be involved in that process. But here's the thing. No one in that political process deserves my allegiance. You know, who's ever involved in this political process, they may be a somebody. They may be important. Their policies may be significant and important for the world that we live in, but they are not immune from fear. And many of the decisions they will make in the years that follow will be based on fear, which is to say they may be important, they may be somebody's, but they are not God. They may be somebody, but they're not my Savior. My Savior is unafraid and in control. That's point two. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is a somebody, but he is not a savior. He is not God. 
a simple dream, a mystery from a simple dream has driven him crazy. And even his wise men tell him, Nebuchadnezzar, nobody can do what you're asking except the gods, and they don't live among humans, and they don't know how right they are when they say that. Because what happens next is that God, the revealer of mysteries, as he's called here, shows up on the scene. So let's read this passage. It's a little long, but it's worth reading. This is starting in verse 27. Daniel answered the king, sages, enchanters, dream interpreters, and diviners can explain to the king the mystery he seeks, but there's a God in heaven, a revealer of mysteries who has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Now, this was your dream. This was the vision in your head as you lay in your bed. Your majesty, you were looking, and there rising before you was a single massive statue. The statue was huge, shining with dazzling light, was awesome to see. And the statue's head was made of pure gold. Its chest and arms were made from silver. Its abdomen and hips were made of bronze. Its legs were of iron and its feet were a mixture of iron and clay. And you observed this until a stone was cut, but not by hands. And it smashed the statue's feet of iron and clay and it shattered them. And then all the parts shattered simultaneously, iron, clay, bronze, silver, gold. They became like chaff and left on the summer threshing floor. The wind lifted them away until no trace of them remained. But the stone that smashed the statue became a mighty mountain, and it filled the entire earth. And this was your dream. Now we'll tell the king its meaning. You, your majesty, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given kingship, power, might, and glory to you. But God has delivered into your care human beings, wild creatures, and birds in the sky, whether they live, and has made you ruler of all of them. You are the gold head. But in your place, another kingdom will arise. And just as iron shatters and crushes everything, so like iron that smashes, it will shatter and crush all the others. But in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will raise up an everlasting kingdom that will be indestructible. Its rule will never pass to another people. It'll shatter other kingdoms. It'll put an end to all of them. It'll stand firm forever, just like you saw when the stone, which was cut from the mountain, but not by hand, shattered the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and gold. A great God has revealed to the king what will happen in the future. And the dream is certain. Its meaning can be trusted. If you were to ask me, Eric, what is the most important thing for me to know in 2020? Well, I'd say maybe you should ask Daniel. And I think if you ask Daniel, Daniel, in this year where so much of my identity is at stake, where I'm asked to invest and to to vote, to um, give myself to political parties, to movements, to things happening in this world, to invest myself in all of that. What do I need to know as I'm doing that in 2020? I think what Daniel would say is one thing, that the God of heaven is raising up an everlasting kingdom and it will be indestructible. It'll never pass to another people. It'll shatter every other kingdom. It will put an end to all of them. It will stand firm forever. Okay, that's actually what God, the revealer of mysteries, reveals about this. And in some ways, what he reveals about every other mystery. I'm building a kingdom and it will last forever. It will outlast every other kingdom. That's the mystery that God reveals about himself. Now, I told you that Daniel points to Jesus. Do you remember 
what the angel visiting Mary tells Mary about Jesus, who she carries in her womb. He says he will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Do you remember what Jesus says first, before he says anything else in the Gospel of Mark, when he arrives on the scene, the first thing he says is, now's the time, here comes God's kingdom, change your hearts and your lives and trust this good news. Okay, those words come into sharper relief when we've read this prophecy from Daniel. You know, Nebuchadnezzar had a vision of all other kingdoms shattering against this one kingdom that would endure. And in Matthew 21, Jesus describes all kingdoms of this world collapsing upon himself, the cornerstone. And Daniel says that for a moment, you Nebuchadnezzar are king of kings, but we see in Jesus in Revelation that he is called the ruler of the kings of the earth. Okay, don't think that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, is limited to the New Testament. You know, the good news is that God is building a kingdom on this earth that will last forever. And God has been building that kingdom since before the time of Daniel. Daniel just testifies to what God is already doing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that right now, Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Jesus Christ, God, the revealer of mysteries is raising up an everlasting kingdom and it will be indestructible. It will stand forever and that is really good news. So when I declare that central gospel confession that Jesus is Lord or that Jesus is King, my confession stretches back not only to the time of Jesus, but years before, at least 600 years before, and really all the way back to the creation of the world. It stretches back to this time of Daniel when he's standing there in Nebuchadnezzar's throne room saying, King, another king is coming. So when I say Jesus is king, what I'm saying is political. In fact, of all the political statements that you, the members of the Highland Church and myself are gonna be tempted to make in 2020, and there's gonna be a lot of political statements, we want to make the most important political thing for you to say this year is that Jesus is king and Lord of heaven and earth, right? That is the mystery that God is revealing, not only through Daniel, but through his people today, through you and me, members of God's kingdom on earth, that there is one king and it is Jesus. Now, as political as that may be, it's also intensely personal. In fact, if we said that the good news of Jesus was only political, we might doubt that it was actually good news, right? But it is personal. If, 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 if God's mystery is only political and doesn't have bearing on my life, then probably, well, we wouldn't pay a lot of attention to it. We would be detached from it. But when I say that the mystery, that God is raising up a king in Jesus Christ who will reign forever is personal, here's why. Because at some point, you are gonna be the center of some mystery. There'll be something in your life that you can't explain, that you can't control, that you can't predict. And at that moment, you're going to want some good news. Which brings us back to that Texas trip. We had to make that trip because I, as I shared a few weeks ago or a few months ago now, one of Lindsay's best friends, she was a bridesmaid in our wedding, married another one of our friends, and he has been battling cancer for the last few years. 
They've got two children, these two beautiful little girls, four and three years old, and we have been praying for them every day. Well, a few weeks ago, he finally, after that long battle with cancer, passed away. And so we made an unexpected trip to Texas to be at a really small gathering for the funeral because of COVID-19. To be with her, to support her, and to see her beautiful daughters. And the preacher who preached that service and did a wonderful job, he spoke to the mysteries that they were feeling. That these two beautiful girls now have to grow up without their dad. That this mom is now a widow at the age of 33. And he recalled the words of Isaiah the prophet that my, about God, my plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my plans than your plans. And to that, we could all say amen. Like truly, this was not any of our plan. And if any of us were writing the script for human history, this was not something we could have included. So we had to say amen to that. We had to trust that God, your ways must be higher than our ways because in this moment, we don't understand them. And yet, and yet God is still the revealer of mysteries. And somehow the mystery that Lindsay's friend is now walking into, you know, the mystery that she's walking into hand in hand with these two beautiful girls, the mystery she can't fully explain in this life, somehow that mystery is wrapped up in, revealed in, the greater mystery revealed in Jesus Christ. That God is building a kingdom in Jesus that will last forever. And for her, that is good news right now. And at that funeral, we sang the, the song, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And it is so sweet to trust in Him. But if Jesus is not the King, if He is not raising up a kingdom that will be eternal, then, that, then those words aren't good news, right? But we believe that He is King. That's what we declare in 2020, that God and Jesus Christ is king over all. And we see right now as through a glass darkly, but one day we shall see face to face and we will celebrate because the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and Messiah and he will reign forever and ever.